0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. and We have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time Taking those calls, praying for your prayer requests, and answering your questions about God and the Bible. And so uh, I'm privileged. I have the opportunity to do it every Friday, and I love taking your calls, love hearing your voices and praying for you, answering those questions you have. So I'd love to hear from you. Give me a call at 303 690 3000. That's 303 690 3000, or you can text me at 720 720- Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. So maybe you are somebody who has been reading the Bible for a while and you've, you've come up against this question that you've run into and you're not sure how to answer it, or maybe you're curious what the Bible has to say about events taking place in the world today or in our society, or maybe you're curious, you know, what the Bible has to say about a particular situation that you're facing personally in your life, this is a great opportunity for you to call in and get those questions answered. And I'll tell you what, if you wonder, oh, you know, maybe my question isn't really that good of a question, I'll tell you this, there are probably a lot of other people out there who have that same question and are too shy to call in themselves. And so as you call in and ask your question, other people are going to benefit from it. So I really encourage you, if you've got a question, give us a call. Love to discuss it over the air and uh, hopefully bring some clarity to areas where there's been confusion or uh, lack of clarity. And if you have a prayer request, this is a great opportunity for you to call in with those because there are a lot of people listening, uh, not just here locally where we broadcast, but all over the United States and even internationally. And so as those people hear your prayer request, as they hear your prayer lifted up over the air, they're able to join in and say yes and amen along with us. And that's a powerful thing when God's people pray together. So Give us a call with those prayer needs you have and the Bible questions you're wondering about. The number to call, 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. I want to welcome those of you who are tuning in here locally in Colorado and into southern Wyoming on Grace FM. I'm broadcasting today from Longmont, Colorado, so just uh, north kind of North-ish Colorado, and um, glad to be with you. But we also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee. And we also want to greet those who are listening on Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. But we want to give a special welcome to those listening on the Radio by Grace Network. They have stations all over the United States, particularly in the southern states. Uh, many stations tuning in at a all, all lot of different places. And you who are listening on Radio by Grace and those listening on Grace FM, as well as those listening on the Grace FM app and gracefm.com. You're all hearing the show live today. Today is July 8th. It is a Friday, nice, sunny Kind of classic Colorado Southern summer weather, and I uh, hope you're enjoying it today. Hope you're staying cool. But uh, we are broadcasting live today. Those listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, as well as Higher Rock Radio, you're hearing the show on a one week delay. So we want you to just know about that, be aware of it, but we don't want it to hinder you from taking part in the show and calling in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. In fact, I would always encourage those who are listening on delay, you know, you're on a one-week delay, I would just encourage you to take that as an opportunity for you to share about the fact that you called in, you're, you're, you texted in, your question's going to be on the air, and you know exactly when it'll be on. And so you're able to uh, maybe tell a friend, a family member about that, and it might be a great way for you to introduce them to that station where you listen on. And maybe as they listen to that station at one time, it might they might get curious. Maybe it'll become a preset on their uh, car radio. Maybe it'll be something they listen to later on when they're alone. And we get so many reports of how God has used Grace FM and used uh, this show in particular, Calvary Live. And so we would really encourage you to uh, spread the news about it uh, because as God's word goes out over the airwaves, we know that does not come back void. So again, welcome to those of you who are tuning in. We also want to greet those listening on gracefm.com and the Grace FM app. If you haven't yet got that, really encourage you to do so. It's a free app that you can get for your device and you can tune in anywhere in the world with that. And we often have people who tune in from Europe, even Africa, Asia, all kinds of places like that. And so, we're so glad to have you tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. One more time, the number to call 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. My name again is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Our church is located uh, right on Highway 119 in Longmont, so it's very conveniently located uh, right in between I-25 and County Line Road on Highway 119 in Longmont, which means that we're easily accessible both for those who live in the city of Longmont, but also for those who live in surrounding communities. So if you are in Frederick, Firestone, Decono, if you're in Erie, Lafayette, if you're in Boulder or Niwot, if you're in Lyons, uh, Pinewood, if you are in Berthid or... Mead. We would love to have you come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. We're currently in a series in which we're studying through the book of Second Corinthians. The series is called Strength in Weakness. And this Sunday, we get into a section, which is really interesting, from chapter 2 through chapter seven of second Corinthians is something that's called the great digression, which is a place where Paul has kind of been talking about his travel plans. And then he makes a big digression, kind of a parenthetical statement in which he talks about ministry and what it means to serve God, even from a place of brokenness and trials. And I'll tell you the truth. I think this is at least for me, this is one of the most fascinating, most uh, exciting and most meaningful sections of what I would say, the entire New Testament, perhaps even the Bible. Today, as I was just writing notes and reading through it, I found myself just like so encouraged, I I almost got emotional because I was like, wow, this is so incredibly encouraging what this passage has to say. So if you're a person who needs some encouragement, we'd love to have you come and study with us and worship with us this Sunday at Whitefields Church in Longmont. You can find our address on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. It's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also look us up, you know, uh, on your search engines and your uh, apps on your phone. We're on all of those. Uh, white Fields, it's two words, White Fields Church. Um, the name comes from the Gospel of John chapter 4, where Jesus says, you know, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for the harvest. And so that's what we believe, that God is doing a great work, and uh, we, we get to be part of it. So we'd love to have you with us. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. Uh, That is 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, 80504. But again, if you look us up online, you should be able to find the address and everything you need. That's whitefieldschurch.com. We have three services every Sunday morning, 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. We'd love to serve you and your family this weekend, so come out and study with us, hey. With that, let's go to our first caller. We've got Sydney in Montgomery, Alabama. Hi, Sydney. Welcome to the program.
2: Yeah, I just see everything. Um, yeah, I just want prayer for uh, for my children, me, and my family. But I see everything happening around the world, and this to me, I just want to ask: Is this the end? I mean, we know this time was in when Jesus said he's coming back, but the beginning when he was crucified and he's coming back but now this is showing signs of floods, tornadoes, palm, everything happening everywhere.
0: Mm. Well, I'll tell you this. <laughs> Jesus said that, that not even he, the son, knew what time the time and date that the father had set um, for his return, but he said so, yeah. that we can be wise and we can watch the signs, just like how right. a sailor would watch the, the skies and, and take yeah. note of them. And furthermore, he told us, you know, You'll see these things they'll be like birth pangs, right? When the thing about birth pangs is they start off slow and then they yeah. grow in frequency more and, and more intensity. <laughs> yeah, and so that's what where we're at now. But let me let me pray for you and for your children. So heavenly father, we, we lift up Sydney to you, uh and Lord, we thank you that he is a person who cares about his kids and wants to bring them to you. You re- remember Jesus that you yourself told us, you know, bring the little children to me. And so the way that we can often do that is not only by bringing our kids to your word, but it's also by bringing them to you in prayer. So we join with Sidney right now in lifting up his children to you. Lord, we pray that you give him wisdom with how to lead them and guide them, to lead them with wisdom, to parent them well, and to help them to walk in your ways. Lord, guide his words, guide his actions, and Lord, we pray that as he lives this life, the Christian life, that his life would put off this fragrant aroma of Christ and that it would be something that draws his children to you. And so we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Sydney. Thanks for calling in. God bless you too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you're listening to Calvary Live. Anytime you hear a call end, that can be a good indicator for you that we have an open line. So whenever a call ends, that's a good indicator cue for you to call in with your question, uh, with your prayer request. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. We've got all open lines right now, so it's a great time for you to call in. And the text line, for those of you who want to text in, is 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Well, let's go over to our text line as we wait for more calls to come in. Uh, We have a text that came in. Someone said uh, this. They said, Jesus said regarding him coming for his church that no one knows the time or the hour, not even him, only the father. Is this like the example of the Jewish wedding where only the father knows the time and sends the son to get the bride? Or am I misunderstanding that? No, so, this is from Scott. So hey, Scott, thanks for your text. and um, I would tell you that I don't think you're misunderstanding it. I mean the the parable of the wedding, or let's say the wedding as a metaphor for Jesus' coming is actually a super relevant metaphor. It's one that you can really dig into in a lot of different facets, even kind of like the betrothal phase, right? So there would often be a betrothal phase, which would be more similar to what we would call a an engagement, but it was it was more than an engagement because it was also legally binding. So for example, you might remember that Joseph and Mary were betrothed to be married before they were married. So that's a legally binding thing, but the marriage hasn't been ratified yet, if you will. So it's a little bit more than what we tend to think of as engagement. It would be as if engagement was a legally binding thing in our society. Um, And so that's what betrothal is like. And then after the betrothal, the man would go away. He would prepare a place, oftentimes at his father's property, he would prepare a place for him and his wife to live. And usually that, in, that involved construction of some sort. And then once that was completed, he would come and he would get his wife and they would go and the, the wedding would be consummated and the, that would take place. So this is very similar to like what we have with Jesus, right? Where he's he's come, he has betrothed us to himself. That's why he is the bridegroom and we are his bride. And the day is coming when he will return to take us to the place that he has prepared for us. So that where he is, we may be also, as he says in John chapter 14. Um, you know, like Matthew 25 is a good example of Jesus drawing on the parable of the wedding feast with the, the virgins, or they, they would be kind of like bridesmaids in our terminology. When Jesus goes and gets them, or just says that they're waiting, but some of them weren't prepared. And then Jesus' whole point with that section there in Matthew 24 and 25, which is a section called the Olivet Discourse, because it's a discourse that Jesus gave from the Mount of Olives during Passion Week, which is that last week that Jesus spent in Jerusalem. He stood on the Mount of Olives looking over the city of Jerusalem, and he gave this speech, and he's talking to his disciples about what would happen in the future and What would happen at the end of days? So he talks about some things that are in the near future, which would be the sacking of Jerusalem. Then he talks about some things that were a little bit farther off and yet still in the future, which was his coming. And what Jesus says there, that's chapter 24. He describes some of the things that are going to take place, the destruction of the temple, people needing to flee into the hills, etc., and the abomination that causes desolation. And then in chapter 25, though, he switches, he gives two parables to describe what we should do in that regard. One of those parables is the parable of the bridesmaids or the the virgins. And the purpose of these two parables used in chapter 25 are, since Jesus is coming and no one knows when he is coming, what we should do is we should be ready. But then someone would ask the question, what does it mean to be ready for Jesus' kingdom or Jesus' return. And I think this is a really important passage because I've heard a lot of people say, you know, okay, we need to be ready. But if you ask them, hey, what does it mean to be ready? They don't know. They're like, I don't know. uh, My bags are packed. I'm sitting here talking about how Jesus is going to come back and I'm really, really ready. And that's about as far as it goes. You know, to be ready, I guess, just means to be excited and prepared in your mind but I think that Jesus is saying it means more than that. I mean, certainly that's part of it, right? To be ready means to be make sure that you're right with God, right? Another part of being ready means that you've kind of settled in your mind, that it can happen at any time. But I think most importantly, other than being right with God, which actually that's the most important. But the, the other important part of this is to be ready for his coming, Jesus says, means to be busy about the work that God has called us to. In other words, to be actively involved in his mission. That comes out in the second parable that Jesus uses there in Matthew 25, which is the parable of the talents. Remember, it says that a king went away and he left uh, talent, which was a denomination of money. Right? It wasn't like, uh, I'm talented, I can dance, you're talented, you can sing. Uh, talent was a denomination of money, a certain amount of money. And it says that he put his Uh, People in charge of different amounts of money, and then he, when he returned, he asked them what they did with that. And in other words, to be ready for his coming means that you are actively involved in investing the things he has given you for a return, so that when he returns, there will be a return on his investment, if you will. So uh, that would be the answer to your question. Very long answer, Scott, but uh, I hope that that brings some clarity. And keep reading your Bible, man, and keep studying up. You know, a good resource for you would be uh, Hallie's Bible Handbook. That's one of the books that I often recommend to people. We carry it in our church bookstore. And the nice thing about that is, you know, sometimes if you if you read the Bible as a modern person, you can sometimes miss out on some of the the things that a reader at that time would have intuitively picked up on. So for example, like this wedding stuff or in second Corinthians, what I'm teaching this Sunday, there's this whole thing where it says that Jesus leads us in triumph. Now that statement by itself is pretty cool, but it's even more cool when you realize what Paul, the apostle is referring to, right? Which is the history of the Roman triumph parade and why he talks about spreading the aroma of Jesus Because during the Roman triumph parade, they would have these priests who would swing these these metal canisters with incense in them that would put out this aroma as the parade passed you, that you would smell the aroma. And that aroma indicated that the battle had been won and it was finished. And if you were on the winning side, that would be the the aroma of life, and if you were on the losing side, that would be the aroma of death because you would be being led to your execution. So without that historical background, the passage doesn't have the full richness. You're not getting out of it all that God put into it for you to get out of it. So yeah, Halley's Bible Commentary, H-A-L-L-E-Y-S, is a great—it's not a commentary, sorry, it's called a Bible Handbook. It's a great resource for you to get, um, and I would recommend that for you. So, hey, thanks for calling in, and I hope that was good. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We'd love to hear from you, to answer your Bible questions, and to pray for your prayer requests. Let's go to our next caller, Betty Jane in Pennsylvania. Hi, Betty Jane. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi, how are
0: you? Doing great. What's up?
1: Good. I have a testimony. Um, I'm, I'm a hospice nurse, and God has granted me the most wonderful opportunity to um, to present my testimony for having observed a person who passed away um, with the most beautiful look on his face um, after he died. Uh, his wife, Betsy, had said go see Jesus, go to Jesus, a half an hour before I got there. And they left, the son and the, and the wife left. And when I got there, I, I was there to pronounce him, and that's what hospice nurses do. Mm. And so his face was uh, a, a, an appearance of joy. He had a sparkle around his eyes, and he had a smile on his face. And when I checked him, he did not have a heart rate, and he was not breathing. Mm. So we, he was he was a believer. He was born again, and his family was born again, but that's the joy that we experience when we pass as born-again believers. And I think that's just such a beautiful testimony to be able to share with people. So I just thought I'd
0: share that with you yeah thank you so much I appreciate that I mean that I think is the the one of the key differentiating factors you know with those who have hope is that yes we mourn the loss but we don't mourn for that person who's gone we mourn for ourselves because we miss that person yet we what? have the we have the hope that that person is with Jesus and the pain is ended and uh and that's a good good hope it changes everything
1: I just I just think it's just such a beautiful thing for me, you know, first of all, to God, for God to honor me that way, to be able to share, and to be able to assure uh, believers, because I, I get to pray with people at the very end, and I especially find that amazingly, it's an amazing opportunity, and, and it brings me a great deal of joy to do that for people, so.
0: Yeah. So awesome. I
1: to share. <laughs> thank, thank
0: you so much. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and if you could just pray for my Dominic um, and my unsaved family, I'd really. Appre- my Dominic is saved, but as I've said many times, my sister, my daughter keeps him away from God, and is sure. unfortunately reaping the benefits of that. I'm- that, sure they're not benefits. They're not benefits,
0: so. Yeah, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we pray for Betty Jane, we thank you for her work, Lord, in helping people um, make their final transition out of this world. Lord, we pray that you would give her many opportunities to pray with people and Lord, to, to spread that aroma of Christ as she does her work. and we pray, Lord, that people would be saved so that they would have that hope that goes beyond the grave. Lord, we also pray for Dominic, and we pray for uh, Betty Jane's unsaved family. Lord, we pray that they would know you and walk with you. So, Lord, we ask for your grace in that, in Jesus' name. Amen. In
1: Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much.
0: My pleasure. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. God bless
1: right. you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000, that's 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go back over to our text line. We have someone who texted in saying, I would ask for prayer for those at the Denver Rescue Mission. Uh, with its branches throughout Denver that we find guidance and answers to get our lives back on track. I personally feel lost uh, spiritually and personally. So thank you for your kind words. Uh, and this is from someone named Anthony. So I would just encourage all of our listeners out there, let's be praying for Anthony. He's reaching out, he's listening to the show, and let's uh, let's keep him in prayer uh, because he's he's certainly looking for guidance and direction from the Lord. And that's the Lord Gives that to those who seek it. So let's pray for Anthony. Heavenly Father, we pray for Anthony. We pray for those at the Denver Rescue Mission, Lord. I, I thank you for the fact that um, with you, Lord, it's it's in those broken places. It's when we come to the end of ourselves. It's when we're on the ground with nowhere lower to go. Those are oftentimes where we experience your your miracle at work, Lord. We think of Jacob, who who experiences uh, his growth through relationship with you at the point of brokenness and being on the ground wrestling with you. But we think of others who were in that situation throughout the Bible, and it was in that place of brokenness, that place of desperation, that they called out to you and got to experience your strength in their weakness. And so, Lord, we understand that that's the essence of the gospel, your strength at work in spite of and in the midst of our weakness. And so, Lord, we pray for Anthony and those who are in the Denver Rescue Mission, whatever it is that's led them there, Lord, we pray that you would meet them in that place. Lord, give them hope, give them direction. And Lord, we pray that they would understand the hope of the gospel and that truly would give them hope that they need in order to, yeah, in order to trust in you. Lord, in order to have salvation by believing in your name. And so, Lord, I pray that that would be the first step that they take, that they would say yes to you, that they would trust you, that they would believe in you, put their hope in you, and, Lord, that they would then see how, as you place your spirit in their lives, you strengthen them and empower them. So, Lord, we pray for those who are ministering at the Denver Rescue Mission, ministering the gospel, preaching the word, serving people. Lord, enliven them or encourage them, give them um, perseverance and strength as they do that. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're coming up on our mid-show break. We've got a couple minutes, but we've got all open lines right now. I'd love to hear from you. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. We have another prayer request that came in from someone... uh, asking for prayer for a boy named Simon from their community who was bit by a rattlesnake so let's uh let's pray for him it looks like um, they he is in the hospital and actually on life support that's very serious so let's be praying for him right now heavenly father we pray for Simon and Lord we do ask Lord that this life support that he's on, the medicines that he's taking, Lord, we pray that they would be effective. And Lord, we pray that beyond all of the medicines and everything else, Lord, that you would do a miracle and save this boy's life. Lord, we pray that you would uh, truly hold him in your hands and see him through this great trial. Lord, we pray that it would be a great testimony to you. And Lord, we, we do pray that you would save him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's very serious. So I, I just I would encourage our listeners to be praying for um, for Simon. That, that's really serious. Speaking of a prayer request, before we go to the break, I'm going to give you the numbers to call in just a second, but I want you to be praying again. I'm sure you've heard about it this week um, during the show, but um, Pastor um, the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Windsor, Scott Cox, uh, suddenly and tragically passed away this week when he was on vacation. He was in a car accident in Montana, so I want you to be praying for the fellowship there at Calvary Chapel, Windsor, and for uh, their two adult sons who they left behind. Um, so we're coming up on our mid-show break. Um, give us a call. We can get you on right afterwards with your prayer requests and with your questions about the Bible and about God. Uh, the number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000, or text us, 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven, and we're going to be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- 336-0897. Give us a call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We're standing by and look forward to talking to you and reading your texts. So let's go to Steve in Augusta, Georgia. Hey, Steve, welcome to the program.
3: Hey, Frank. I'm, hey, sir, how you doing?
0: Doing great. What's up?
3: Yes, sir. Um, uh, I was on drugs real bad one time and
0: uh, alcohol,
3: and I wasn't in my right mind. And uh, this is like six or seven years ago. And um, I thought, the thought came to my mind about cursing God and the Holy Spirit. And I didn't verbalize it. But when I read that, when I was in Matthew, was saying that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, what is blasphemy? My question, Rick, I recognize, I'm going to talk to you fast. Mm-hmm. What is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit?
0: Yeah, no, great question. Um, so I'll make it really easy for you. The... The blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is to reject the work of the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus tells us in John 16, is to draw us to Jesus by convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So basically the Holy Spirit is with all people, convicting them of the fact that they have sinned, that there is a righteous judge, that God is a righteous judge, and therefore there is coming a judgment Because of that. Now, what it means to blaspheme the Holy Spirit is essentially to continuously reject the work of the Holy Spirit, to resist the Holy Spirit. And this is actually found in the book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to have to look up the chapter, but um, the person speaking, I think it's uh, Peter, he says, You continuously resist the Holy Spirit. And so that's what it means. What happens is if you continue to resist the Holy Spirit, then what will happen is after a while you become calloused. And as you become calloused, right, think about like if you play the guitar or if you use certain tools over and over, you develop calluses. So a callous is like thick skin where your skin, which used to be sensitive and feeling, no longer is sensitive, no longer feels the impulses. So it's not that the Holy Spirit has stopped convicting you. It's that you have become unfeeling unresponsive to those things. The things which used to prick your conscience no longer cause you any pain in your conscience. And so what we need to happen in this case is for God to remove our heart of stone and to give us a heart of flesh, right? To soften our hearts. So um, here's what I would tell you. I I think a lot of people get worried about this because they're worried that uh, you know, they read that passage and it's kind of like if I told you Hey, don't imagine a purple elephant. Okay, so you're going to like try really hard to not imagine a purple elephant, but I kind of just dropped the seed in your mind. And now it's kind of the only thing you can think about. And no matter how hard you try, eventually you find yourself thinking about a purple elephant. Well, what happens sometimes with people, because they don't understand what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, they think the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit means like that they curse God. So they start telling themselves, "Don't don't curse God, don't curse God, don't curse God. But then they're like, oh, I accidentally might have done it, like, even non-verbally, like you're describing. And it caused a lot of anxiety. And then they're like, well, maybe I'm not saved now. And, well, hey, if I'm not saved, then I might as well just sin a bunch, right? So Um, um, I would tell you this. The fact that you care, you know, the fact that you're like, I don't want to resist God. I don't want to blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Like, I want to be saved and know God. To me, that's that's a sign of life. Because think about that callous thing again. If I prick you and you don't feel it, that's not a good sign. But if I prick you and you feel it, if there's sensitivity, if there's something that says, I want God, um, that tells me that there's a sign of life there and that you don't need to worry that you've committed the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And instead, you know, what you need to do is respond to the Holy Spirit by giving your life to Christ, right? believing in him, trusting in what he's done for you, and receiving him as your Lord. Ooh, oh, that's so relieving. I tell you, it's really stressed me out, man. I,
2: thank you so much for...
1: Oh, for my pleasure.
0: Time. Yeah. Yeah, my Can pleasure. My well, Can cool. Answer my question. Well, cool. Steve, thanks for calling in. I hope that helped you. It did, sir. Thank you so much. All right. God bless you. God bless you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, answering your questions about the Bible, praying for your prayer requests. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, love to hear those things that people are really wondering about when it comes to the Bible. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- three three six zero eight nine seven let's go to our next caller paul in pennsylvania hi paul welcome to the program hi what can we do uh, for you
2: so uh, so christ in the new testament he w- refers to himself and i don't remember where it is I just, uh, but him and actually the apostles in different sections refers to himself uh, uh christ as the son of man Mm-hmm. and I was just wondering why why does he referred to himself as the Son of Man?
0: Yeah, great question, and I think this is one that a lot of people are confused about, so I'm really happy that you asked it, because I'm sure there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, they say, okay, Jesus is the Son of Man, kind of weird, I guess, but I just accept it. So I'm glad you asked, because there's a really good answer. So I'll tell you this. Son of man is actually Jesus's favorite way of referring to himself. He refers to himself 88 times in the new Testament as the son of man. Uh, He refers to himself as the son of man more often than he refers to himself as the son of God. And I'm often asked why this is. And here's the, here's the reason right here. Son of man is a messianic title from the old Testament. So I'm going to read to you from Daniel chapter 7. And this is where Jesus got that phrase from. So here's what it says in Daniel 7. Daniel's having a, a vision and he says this, I saw in the night visions, behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, the son of man was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall not be destroyed. In other words, Daniel is describing the Messiah, and he gives the Messiah this name, the Son of Man, which tells us a few things. One of the things it tells us is that he would be a human, right? So that's an important aspect of this. Right. but also that he will be an everlasting king. So he comes wow. to the Ancient of Days, which is God. And so it tells us that he is God because he's eternal. And it tells us that he's distinct from the Father. Now that's really important when we talk about the Trinity, because we say that this is, this is our Trinitarian doctrine, that Jesus is, so that God, let's say the Father is God, the Son is God, And the Spirit is God, but the Son is not the Father, and the Father is not the Son, and the Spirit is not the Son or the Father, right? They're distinct, and yet there is one God who eternally exists in three distinct persons. So we have, even just in that phrase, Son of Man, we have, as we unpack it, this incredible Trinitarian theology that runs throughout the entire Bible. So the Messiah will be human, he will be distinct from the Father, the ancient of days and yet he will be the eternal god who has dominion over all kingdoms and all people and nations will serve him does that does that help make sense so when jesus uses that phrase it's it's kind of like uh you know pavlovian language if you will as he says that it will remind all the jewish people of that prophecy about the messiah it's as if he's saying i am the messiah every single time he calls himself son of man
2: okay Okay. I, I, I remember reading that in Daniel, but it didn't carry over. I didn't understand it. So that that makes perfect sense.
0: Right on. Cool. All, All right,
2: bad. Hey, thank you very much.
0: You bet. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Hey, before we go to our next caller, I'll just say one last thing about the Son of Man thing. A really cool verse for you guys to look at in regard to the Son of Man is in Mark chapter 14 verses 61 through 64. here's what Jesus is on trial right before he's crucified. And it says the high priest asked Jesus, are you the Christ, which is the Greek word for Messiah. So are you the Messiah, the son of the living God? So there's the Messiah and the son of God uh, put into one, right? And Jesus said, I am, and you will see the son of man seated on the right hand of power coming with the clouds of heaven and the high priest tore his garment and said, What further evidence do you need? You have heard his blasphemy. And then they they condemned him to death. So notice in that text, you see Jesus is called the Son of God. And Son of God is identified as a title for the Messiah. Then Jesus calls himself the Son of Man from Daniel 7. And this was understood by the Jewish people to not just be a claim that he was the Messiah, but to be a claim of deity. And the reason that when he said he's the son of God and the son of man, they accused him of blasphemy and condemned him to death. So I think we can see all those messianic titles right there in just those few verses in Mark chapter 14. All right. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady, pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here to answer your questions about the Bible, about God, about theology, how the Bible relates to your life or to culture. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Marie in Colorado Springs. Hi, Marie. Welcome to the program. Marie, we had you there for a second. I wonder if she's still there. Well, we'll have to put Marie back on hold, um, but I do see her question. She had a question, and she was looking for prayer in regard to marriage, an abusive relationship, and being unequally yoked. So, uh, Marie, we'd love to hear back from you. Um, I'd love to hear what exactly that question was that you had. Um, In the meantime, I want to go over to our text line. We had a text come in uh, that I thought was a, a pretty interesting question. This person says, Hi, Pastor Nick. The Gospel of Mark, verses 9 through 20, appear to be recognized by a lot, if not most scholars, to not be in the original ending of that Gospel. Yet it's included in many of our Bibles, or at least with a footnote saying that it's not in the original text. So my question is how reliable should I consider the statements made in those verses? They don't seem to contradict any other scriptures. And that was from Rob in Longmont. So, uh, Rob, great observation and great question. I think that many of us have noted this. If you have read your Bible, you have noticed uh, in the King James version of the Bible, there's actually a note on the very first page of your Bible that says that any words that are in italics have uh, been disputed and are generally considered to not have been in the original text, but were added in by later scribes. Um, in other versions of the Bible, sometimes they're just completely removed and a footnote is put in the bottom that the, there were some other verses here that are not found in, in the earliest manuscripts. In other versions, they'll be in kind of like brackets or parentheses. And what are we supposed to do with those verses? And why are they there in the first place? Well, I'll tell you, first of all, how we got them and why they're there. So if you're reading the Gospel of Mark, You'll notice that uh, verses nine through twenty are in some way noted that they are not in the earliest manuscripts. Um, that's not the only place where we have an instance like this. There are some other places, like in Ephesians chapter two, and other things like that. What's uh, What's really interesting is that um, it seems that the Gospel of Mark. This is This is one that. Um, actually goes back really far, the debates on it. We have even the church fathers debating whether or not these verses should have been in the Bible. And so uh, here's why they were in, let's say, for example, the King James Bible. Because the King James Bible is using manuscripts which were found during the Middle Ages. Now, they tried to find the oldest and the most manuscripts they could, and what they found is extremely reliable. But you think, you know, it's been 500 years since that Bible was put together. And in those 500 years, what we've done is that there's been more scholarship, more um, archaeology work that's been done. And we've actually found older manuscripts that even predate those ones that we had when the King James Bible was put together. And so as a result, what we've noticed is that in the manuscripts that were used for the King James uh, translation, they, they there are some verses that are added that are not in earlier forms. So they found, you know, documents going back all, all the way to like the early second century, right? So this is like a couple decades after they were written. And those don't include the last few verses of the Gospel of Mark or last. I mean, it's 11 verses of the Gospel of Mark that are not included. What's really interesting is that the church fathers, if you go all the way back to Irenaeus who lived in AD 150 to 200, Irenaeus talks about how there were there was an alternate ending to the Gospel of Mark that was held in some um manuscripts and then some of the church fathers they talk about how Eusebius for example, Eusebius says that the Greek manuscripts, the original manuscripts did not include those endings, meaning the ending of the gospel of Mark. So it's generally held by scholars that they were added later. And the reason they were added later, but again, not much later, right? I mean, we're talking like um, 50 to a hundred years after they were, after it was originally written, uh, this ending was tacked onto it. You know, it was written by, um, Scholars and scribes, and the reason they wrote it in there, and oftentimes they would notate it to say, you know, this is basically kind of like a footnote, if you will, or scholars' notes. Um, They would add these verses in, like in Ephesians chapter 2, to bring clarity to where they thought that the text was a little bit unclear on its own. So never does it change the meaning, never does it um, contradict or even give new information. All it ever really does is just bring clarity to something that was previously not very clear. And so if you read the Gospel of Mark without that ending, so if you just end at Mark 16, verse 8, it does seem like a very abrupt ending, right? It just ends, right? And it lacks some of the stuff that happened after Jesus resurrected, how he commissioned his disciples, which is recorded in all of the other Gospels. And so it's very likely that uh scholars, as they were reading this say you know what let's let's take some of the information we have from the other gospels and we'll craft an ending that fits the Gospel of Mark. it won't change the meaning it won't actually add any new information, but it will be consistent with the other gospel accounts so that's what you have there now. your question, Rob had been, should we consider these to be authoritative or should we consider them to be reliable. I think we can consider them to be reliable and authoritative in as much as we know that they weren't originally inspired, but that they were added on. And yet we can compare them to the rest of the Bible, the rest of the gospel, and we don't see any contradictions. So we can say, okay, you know, this is, this is good. We can consider it reliable. And um, the other thing, the only thing we don't do is we don't consider it scripture. Now, it's really important because some people say, oh, you know, these newer translations of the Bible, they're removing verses. Well, actually, they're not removing verses. What they've done is that they're actually people, you know, throughout the centuries added verses. Thankfully, they often notated that they were adding verses. But if you go to the end of the book of Revelation, we're actually told to not add nor subtract. So we're not supposed to do either. Now, adding to the Bible is just as forbidden as subtracting from the Bible is. And so to those people who say, you know, new translations are, re- are removing verses from the Bible, my response is, well, show me a case where that has happened, because every case that I'm aware of, and I've done quite a bit of research on this, every case that I'm aware of is a case where something was added, and as we come back, as we do more scholarship, we realize that it was added because of archaeology. Earlier manuscripts, and we are taking it back out. Oftentimes with a note, right? So it's not completely gone. There's just a note that says, "Hey, this probably wasn't in the original manuscript." So yeah, great question. And keep reading that Bible, and uh, and especially reading your footnotes. That's a really good thing to do. So. Yeah, God bless you, Rob. Thanks for call for, thanks for texting in. Here listening to Calvary Live. We've got about 10 minutes left in the show. The number to call 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Craig in Maryland. Hi Craig, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you so much. I just wanted to uh put in my um my message of thanksgiving for um for the network, um, I listen on the Hope FM network on the East Coast, and I've been um, attending a local Calvary Church that's—I guess—it's been there established five or six years ago, and it's called Calvary Morning Light. Mm-hmm. And I—I uh, I can kind of scoot in on Wednesday nights, and we're going through uh, First Samuel, but I—I I just want to. Leave our audience with just a message of of thanksgiving and praise for this local um, church. Um, you know, it's it's small. Um, I I know a lot of the well-established churches have hundreds of people that come to the you know the the Wednesday night Bible studies. You know, ours. You know, when I attended a couple of nights ago, it was you know fifteen, mm-hmm. but. I just want to give my thanksgiving to uh, the Lord for providing these individuals, men and women that work full-time days uh, at different jobs. And then they come and serve the Lord at night. And I wanted to recognize this local um, um, Calvary church is in Cockeysville. It's about 20 minutes south of the Pennsylvania line. And uh, just a, just a rich blessing of um, studious, considerate individuals. And um, I just wanted to send that out to all the audience because <clears throat> Pastor Jason Meyerson is a completed Messianic Jew. Mm. And it's just been a blessing because he, he has the insights most of us Christians growing up in in church, you know, we didn't read the Old Testament, but it's just been fascinating for me, and I just want to um, just right. recognize that,
1: and awesome. and also
2: to to, to your audience is is they have a on Wednesday they have a Spanish Bible study, cool. and and Jeff Pastor Jeff is a just a just a beautiful um, child of God. Um, well, that's so, that's yeah. great.
0: Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. Did did you have a? A question or anything that you wanted to pray for? Yeah, yeah, okay, go for yeah, it.
2: Yeah, I, I did. Um, there, there's a question that was posed by one of the one of the pastors, uh, you know, on on the stations, and he was tr- he he was explaining the difference between self denial mm-hmm. and denial of self. Which mm-hmm. naturally we say, "Well, that's the same thing." Can you explain what those differences are, please?
0: Yeah, I mean, self denial meaning that there are times when we are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. I heard one pastor put it this way. He said, uh, you know, what Jesus calls us to do is deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus, as opposed to denying our neighbors, taking up our comforts, and following our dreams. I think that when you put it that way, it makes it really clear. But yeah, I mean, clearly, denying yourself means not living for your own pleasure and your own agenda as opposed to what God has called you to. I think the other, the, you know, self-denial, if you really get into an asceticism, right, which is kind of self-denial, thinking that there's some kind of uh, spiritual ascension that takes place through our self-denial, that would be actually an idea which comes from Platonism and Greek philosophy, as opposed to Christianity and Judaism. So I would really um, say that that would be the the difference that I see. There's really, you know, there are times when it's important to deny ourselves, but we shouldn't think uh, in a platonic way in the sense that um, that, that the body is inherently bad, that the physical world is inherently bad. Rather, Christianity gives us, and, and the Bible altogether gives us a different view of that, that God created the world good. We are embodied beings, and therefore we should see the inherent dignity and value in the physical world. Well, uh, I, I need to let you go, though, Craig, because I've okay. got time for one more call before the end of the show. Okay. So I, I thank you, you for your call. God bless you. and glad to hear about your church. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right. Hey, let's get to one last call. Adam in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Adam. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, sir? Thank you for
3: uh, speaking with me.
0: Sure. We've only got a minute or so, so go ahead and uh, go with your question. I was curious what you wanted to talk about.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I feel, I'm feeling conflicted about a personal stance I have in lieu of all the uh, the Roe versus Wade and pro-life uh, abortion uh, topics going on uh, around right now. And uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to, you know, I feel a lot of pressure and I feel guilty from fellow Christians when I tell them that I'm not pro-banning abortion, even though I I don't believe abortion is a good thing. And the way I've tried to explain it to people is that by banning abortion, I feel like we're almost being naive and thinking that sweeping it under the rug is actually getting rid of it. Kind of like prohibition with alcohol. It's like, well, people didn't stop drinking alcohol; they just did it under under the covers. And the same thing I fear is going to happen with abortion. And by banning it and outlawing it, you lose track and you lose sight of the actual counts and the numbers. And that then restricts your ability to actually try and reduce the amount that's happening in the world rather than, um, you know, promoting it.
0: Well, I would would agree with you, Adam, that it's a complex topic. Um, Uh I would would not go so far as to say that I agree with you in the fact that you're that, that, so I'll just say this. I am actually in favor of banning abortion. Um, I think that, um, I think that what you're hitting on is a really important point, though, and this is something I've tried to do a lot with our church, especially in the last uh, two weeks, is to say, hey, you know, this is, this is really an important opportunity for us to realize that this is a very complex situation. This isn't just people wantonly going out there and doing whatever they want and then just falling back on abortion for fun or something, right? Like there, This is a much more complex topic, and if abortion is no longer available, what that means is that there will be more unwanted children in the world. There will be more. Um, there will be more children with disabilities born into the world. There will be more children born into poverty in the world. And yet, I think this is an opportunity for Christians to actually live out our faith in a way that, by the way, it's not like this is something that we're just now starting to do. If you look around the United States, if you look around through history, what you'll see is that Christians have been the ones at the forefront of. Caring for those with disabilities, those in poverty, and unwanted children, going all the way back to the first and second century when children were being rescued from the from the trash heaps um, and being adopted by people. And there are writings from the from those days of Roman officials writing about how how is it that these they actually called them atheists because they only believed in one god. They thought that made you an atheist. They said how can these atheist Christians be? putting us to shame by raising our children and um, and I would just say you know if you look into how many Christians are ready and waiting to do that I would just say this is the time for the church to step up and be who God has called us to be and shine like lights in a, in a dark world I'll tell you that I think the benefit of of um, a ban on it I, I think that's not something by the way that we should be triumphalistic about i think it's something that we should soberly swallow hard and then say okay god this is our chance to really shine your light in the world but uh, but i do think the benefit is that for those who do use it as a like basically if it's if it's available and easy that there are people who will do that and i know that that's a fact because i've actually talked to several women in my church who got abortions primarily for that reason because it was available and easy and they could have raised the child, but they chose not to, and they live with regret. So, Adam, I'm with you on the fact that we as the church need to step up and be the people of God. And I appreciate the discussion. I have to let you go, though, because we've reached the end of our show. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Katie. I'll be with you again next time. We, I'd love to have you this weekend. Whitefieldschurch.com. God bless you. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.